Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zielinski. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Saturday night, December 5th, 2015. We are closing down on 2015 Fast and Furious. I just want to remind people that for the month of December, right up until the end of 2015, I am doing Saturday night shows only. You can catch my broadcast right here on WINB. And so if you are listening on WINB, I need to hear from you folks. Go to my website, weekendvigilante.com and click on the contact information. Shoot me an email. Phone me. If I can't gauge if people are listening on WINB, then that program is going to get cut. You cannot complain if the program goes off WINB if you don't get a hold of me. If you are listening to the program on WINB, I am hoping to hear from you. And I want to remind some of the new listeners, if you have not picked up a copy of my book, Green Gospel, please do so. Dr. Timothy Ball, the renowned climatologist who was involved in Climate Gate says Sheila Zelinsky's book effectively demolishes most of what you think you know about the green agenda. So please do go to greengospel.ca and get a copy of that book. Such timely information, especially with what they're doing in Paris. And you need to know what's going on with this agenda. So very important. Well, we have an amazing roundtable tonight. It is my pleasure to have two powerhouse women to talk about what I believe is very prevalent this time of year and all of us can relate to or we know somebody who struggles with this and that's depression. This is going to be a very powerful show and at the end we're going to have a powerful deliverance prayer from these ladies. So this is going to be a powerful show, folks. My guests are Ms. Carla Butod and Natalie Olson from KingdomDeliveranceMinistries.com. Amazing women of God. And it is my pleasure to have them both on. Of course, my listeners know Carla, but Natalie, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. Thank you so much, Sheila. Kingdom Counseling Center is a counseling ministry where I am a biblical therapist. And what makes it so unique is is that we're a place that ministers to the whole man. Um, Talking about mind, body, and spirit um, for those that are in need. That, that's, I think that's the only way I can just pretty much sum it up, is ministering to the whole man, mind, body, and spirit as well. Well, that certainly is a very important ministry, and I thank you for coming on, and also thanks to Carla Butod for coming on. Now, Carla, it's very important for us to remember that we are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit, and there is a battle for all three. Carla, you drew me an amazing diagram, and it really allowed me to understand that better, how this works. Explain this for the people. In the Old Testament, when it talks about the temple, it's three parts. There is an outer court, 
for the general population, an inner court where the priest went, and then once a year, one priest would go into the Holy of Holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant sat, which was where the mercy seat was, which is where the presence of God resided. And so in Corinthians, it says um, that we are compared to our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so that's a good way to compare the body, which is body, soul, and spirit. The outer court would be your flesh body. The inner court would be your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And then your holy of holies is your spirit, which when you are saved, your spirit is made perfect. But the uh, the process of sanctification works from the inside out so that your spirit is perfect. Therefore, you cannot be possessed completely by demonic demon um, entities, but your soul and your flesh can. And when Jesus went into the temple and cast out those that were selling uh, in the money changers, they were in the outer court of the temple. So that's where we have to deal with those evil spirits that are in our outer court, in our flesh bodies, in order for healing to take place. After Jesus cast them out of that outer court, then they were people were able to come in and be healed and delivered. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's interesting because we get a real picture of quite a few people in scripture that were depressed. I mean, there's a lot of examples of people in the Bible who suffered bouts of depression. We have Abraham there in Genesis 15, Jonah in Jonah 4. We have Job in the book of Job. We have Elijah, King Saul, Jeremiah, David. I mean, plethora of Psalms where he was talking about, look at, let's take, for example, Psalm 38, 6. He says, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all day long. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. I mean, that's a real picture of depression. And when I go to Proverbs eighteen fourteen, it says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? And then, of course, Psalm 119 is a picture. It says, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. So, I mean, again and again, we see these bouts of depression. And this time of year is particularly bad. Now, here's a typical letter that I get, and I'll read this out loud. I won't share the person's last name, but it says, Dear Sheila, I'm going to be checked for depression this week. In the last few years, God has been the only one keeping me alive, but now suicide is the only thing I can think of to solve my problems. What should I do? Please help. Angie M. Now, I mean, we get letters like that all the time. And, you know, I was looking up the National Mental Health Association statistics, and do you know that one in three people suffer from depression? Now even in teenagers, they say one out of two. So this is a serious problem, isn't it, Natalie? It is, it is. And you all were giving some examples. What I see a lot of now, just like the fluctuation of, of people getting depressed, is their thinking habits. Think about Cain. Cain was depressed because of sin. Think about it. Cain got depressed and that led him to murder. Look at, it's something about that right there, how people are so stress-driven or so thinking so much, so much that it turns 
into something else. And I think that's where a lot of our major depression is coming from. People are worried about if ISIS is going to do this. People are worried about losing their job. And all of that just builds and builds into depression or even open doors for the demonic. The scripture says, whatsoever a man thinketh, so is he. So if you're sitting for five hours thinking about, oh, I'm nobody, my parents hate me, my life sucks, then okay, what's going to happen for thinking about that? And that's what I'm seeing a lot of people lately who are battling with depression in that type of sense. Jump in there, Carla. Well, there's also um, so much more of the things that can be a cause of suicide. For instance, spiritually speaking, it can be generationally inherited, which was my case. I suffered a four-year depression, and then when I started going to the psychiatrist, Um, He was asking me about depression in the family. I went to my parents and said, okay, tell me, you know, everything, because this is something that's affecting my life. So these things can be generationally inherited. They can also be caused a person who has suffered incest. This Mm -hmm. also goes along with incest. It goes along with molestation. It can be the result of a witchcraft assignment. They can also have a death sentence on their life, which they would never connect to sins that are in the Bible that are sins unto death. And we've talked about that on one of Sheila's other shows. Also, people who have had abortions, Mm -hmm. that spirit of murder and suicide is also present in those. So, you know, there are a lot of things that can be causing even the thoughts of suicide. You know, it's really interesting. I thought this is so interesting. The American Heritage Dictionary begins with this definition when it comes to depression. And I thought it was interesting. Listen to this. Low in spirits. I thought, isn't that an interesting definition? Dejected, suffering Mm -hmm. from psychological oppression. I thought that is a clear picture of complete demonic torment. And here's the thing, I don't want to minimize people that have clinical depression. Now, what's interesting, though, is a lot of times when I'm dealing with depression in people, people say, well, Sheila, you know, it's not demonic, it's a chemical imbalance. But do you know that Jesus cast out many infirmities? And I believe that chemical imbalances in the brain can be also an infirmity. Carla, would you agree with that? Yes, and, you know, God showed me a really interesting uh, process there about chemical imbalance. In fact, um, God revealed this to me as I was ministering to my own son who was having some thoughts like that. And I said, well, look, this is the way it works, and this is why it's so important to uh, take those thoughts captive. Um, mm-hmm. You, What happens is you have a thought that is in conflict to what you should actually be thinking. So then, okay, I'll just say this. Let's say you're good for nothing. Okay, so that thought comes into your mind. And instead of casting that down because it's putting itself above the knowledge of God, which says you're valuable. I mean, Jesus died for you. So when you have a conflict in your mind, you begin to defend yourself from that thought. And then when you have that conflict in your mind between your thoughts, it starts releasing chemicals that are not supposed to be being released. And then those chemicals 
will have an effect over your whole flesh body, and that becomes what we call a feeling. And then as we are humans, we like to express our feelings to one another when Satan is the one who actually projected the thought. And as I tell people, you know, God is looking for people who will come in agreement with his word. Well, so is Satan. So the minute we start expressing that feeling, and it is the very thought that Satan projected, we come in agreement with him. And then we start following that feeling. We let that feeling have an effect on us to get us oppressed or depressed or thinking suicidal thoughts. Well, the battlefield certainly is in the mind. And I really like an analogy that Keith Moore gave years ago. And he talked about picturing your mind like a nightclub where there's these two big bouncers and they have a list. And if your name is not in the list, you don't get in the club. In other words, if your thought does not line up with the Bible, it cannot come in your mind. So there's two big bouncers essentially outside the door of your mind guarding those thoughts. So when a thought comes in, we want to stop and say, is that lining up with the word of God? Does that line up with scripture? We have the mind of Christ and we are supposed to take every thought captive, Natalie, aren't we? It does. And that's so key that you're talking about the warfare and mind. And I believe we're in a season of what I like to call psychological warfare, which is warfare of the mind. When I look up what psychological warfare is, and I'm talking about just like war, I'm talking about like it is in the United States war, it's the whole purpose of psychological warfare is to bring a group of people like us to influence their emotions, their motives, their objectives, and ultimately their behavior. Now, I'm getting this from a psychological ops warfare manual that was used in World War II. So the whole purpose of the warfare is to change your beliefs, what you like, your strengths, your weaknesses, and make you vulnerable. Do you realize that's what the enemy does? If he can get you to think like you wake up in the morning, oh, my day is not going to be well. I just don't feel like it. That's influencing. Satan can only come into your mind and influence. You know, people say all the time, you know, Satan is attacking me and making me depressed. I hear that all the time where people say this is the depression came from the enemy. Think about this now, this connection. The enemy can only bring to you a thought. And then yeah. it's up to you whether or not to allow that to come in. That's why we take captive every thought. This is a war, a war of the mind, a war of your thoughts. The enemy wants to get you to feel empty about yourself so that you can stop praying, so that you can get weak in, in, in your relationship with God. And once there is a broken hedge, then that's when the enemy comes in with everything else. So... Um, uh, one of these, there's a, a saying, capture the minds and their hearts and souls will follow. And that's absolutely true. We're in psychological warfare right now. Romans 12, 2, what does it say? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I mean, Carla, you and I have talked about the word being a discerner. And that's so important, too, to be in the word and have this 
continual, you know, somebody said one time to me, Sheila, this MK Ultra where they brainwash people. And I thought, you know, we need to be brainwashed by the word. We need to be continually washed with the water of the word, don't we, Carla? Yes, and it's it's interesting that one of the definitions of the word repent means change your thinking. Change your thinking, yes. you know. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. The world is constantly trying to get us to think on the things that will move us away from the peace of God. And I tell you, uh, when I got healed of depression, that was one of the things that I disciplined myself to do, and that is to keep my peace and to guard my joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Absolutely. And you know, in that scripture in Nehemiah 8 says, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve. Grieving that depression is a form of grievance. And it is stunning to me, Natalie, how many Christian people are on medication for depression and anxiety. It is absolutely mind numbing in studies that I've seen Christian-based studies showing the number of Christians that are on pharmacological sources. Now, pharmakia, what's so amazing to me about this word pharmakia, when you look it up, it means magic, sorcery, and enchantment. But it really is frightening the number of people that are hopped up on these mind-bending medications like antipsychotic drugs and psychotropic. I mean, this is frightening, Natalie. It is, it is. And the side effects, it's almost, it's not even worth taking what they give you because the side effects are 10 times worse. Well, it's just almost absurd. I was flipping through the channels one night and they had a drug commercial on and the, they went into these medication side effects. You know, it was kind of like, ask your doctor if Abilify is right for you. However, symptoms may include shortness of breath, nausea, sweating, heart attack, palpitations, discomfort, swelling of the throat, ear, nose, sweating, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, rapid or regular heartbeat. Blindness may occur in some cases. Call your doctor if blindness occurs. How do you dial your doctor when you can't see? This is absolutely absurd, the side effects of these medications. And yet the stunning thing is when people try to wean themselves off these very deadly psychotropic drugs, and in some cases, it makes the depression worse and makes people suicidal. So these medications really are a cacophony of hellish horror, aren't they? Well, Sheila, the the very word... Uh, pharmakia, you know, in, in Galatians 5.16 and those scriptures that follow, it says that we are to, uh, to keep away from sorcery. The uh, Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia, and, and it's witchcraft, all of it. It says it, one who uses a potion or a drug. It, that's what's under pharmakia, one who uses a drug or a potion. So we know that witches use potions, and here we have the doctors who use drugs. 
And I've wondered if the word doctor, you know, they used to be called witch doctors back in the day where you could go to somebody and get something for your warts or whatever. <laughs> um, but now, you know, we, we have uh, made it more friendly, a term, and drop the witch and just have doctor. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Jump in there, Natalie. Well, you were talking about the, the, the different medications, and, and when I look at all of those different medications, basically what they do is try to alter your neurotransmitters. Those are the little people who talk to your brain to say, okay, let's calm down, basically. That's the best practical way to explain that. When I looked in the Word of God to find something that resembles that, it was just read of Philippians chapter 8 about thinking about whatsoever things are lovely. If you go back up just two scriptures above that, it gives us the basic solution to depression. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Do you realize that when you thank God in praising, for one, if you're depressed, your mood shifts because it gets the focus off of you. So here we go. That's a stress reliever already. Just by thanking the Lord, you're already taking time and using your breath. I mean, just think about how we thank the Lord just to raise your hands. Exercise is an excellent way to get out of a low state. So just lifting your hands, just thinking about what God has done is automatically sending signals to your brain to to say, okay, we're thinking about something else now. It takes concentration to praise God. So in simple praise, you're already beginning to change things in your body. And then scripture says, then you will experience God's peace. Do you realize that's better than Effexor? That's better than Prozac? And that scripture says the peace that surpasses all of our thinking, our understanding, it's that peace that's the very medicine to the soul. Right there. Simple solution in the Word of God on how to get out of a state of depression without medication. Right. Well, what do you say to those people out there that say, listen, I am a spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christian, and I struggle with depression. I can't get rid of it. Carla, we'll start with you. Well, you know, a lot of people want to say that this is like um, a disease um, and that that it's not demonic or whatever. And I have one scripture that I use to show this to people, and it's Acts 1038. And it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So if they needed healing, that means they were either sick or afflicted. And it clearly says right there that they were oppressed of the devil. It is an, it, depression is an evil spirit that can be cast out. So that would be where I would start, is binding that spirit and casting it out. Well, look at Job there. I was thinking Job was a good picture of depression. He lost everything, then cursed the day he was born. And listen to what he said. He said, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, but only 
turmoil. And so I looked that word turmoil up there in the, the Hebrew. It's really a very, very deep oppression. So very interesting there in Job 3. Jump in on that, Natalie. Um, I agree totally with dealing with depression from a deliverance ram, but I like to, again, remember, I deal with the whole man. So after things are cast out, do you know how once you get rid of the spirit, something else needs to come in its place in a sense? So how about learn in a natural sense how to stop the negative thoughts? Because again, Monday, I can cast out that spirit, but if you have not learned how to stop the enemy on a day-to-day basis from bringing the lies to you, if you hadn't taught yourself how not to accept the lies of the enemy, it's going to be a revolving door. So follow-up or discipleship after deliverance is showing you how to bring a thought captive, teaching you the roots to depression so that you can identify how this got in in the first place so that it won't come back, teaching you the cycle of depression. What is it? What is it that you're doing? Is it your surrounding teaching you how to change your surrounding or, or if it's a particular season, you know, grandma died around Christmas and, and every time, you know, every time Christmas comes, I have, I, I get depressed because grandma died and I told her I hated her before she died. Guess what? I can cast that spirit out. Yes. You're going to have to deal with that. I'm not saying, yes, that you got to deal with that. But how about let's go through grieving? Because obviously this spirit came in because you hadn't grieved or forgiven grandma or yourself for what you did with grandma. So I say let's deal with the whole, let's, let's, you know, let's bring it all to a head so that you can be set free once and for all and not, Three, four weeks have to come back because I think I let something else back in. You mentioned that word forgiveness, and I think that's a big piece of this, isn't it, Carla? Yes, especially forgiving yourself. I know when I was coming out of out of depression, I had to like retrain myself because we have we really are a culmination of a lot of bad habits that we have um, formed over our lifetime, and so I had to change. Uh, the way I thought and the way I reacted to things. And so what I did, I call it one of my spiritual bullets that I put in my gun to shoot these things down. Um, Whenever my mind would start taking me to that place, I would start singing a song. I had a particular song, you know, like, um, I will bless the Lord, um, bless the Lord on my soul. There's a lot of songs that you can put in your gun to shoot those things down when they come to revisit because they will come to revisit they'll come back and try to get in just like natalie said and so you know you have to like almost form a plan of action so that um you can stop those things before you fall uh fall into that ditch again yeah because it's easy to think about it when you're in a good place but then when that depression starts creeping in, it's a whole other thing to remember your plan of action, isn't it? If you don't have one. So if you're not preparing for that. And I think sin has a huge part of this. Now that we've defined depression, I want to talk about a few of the symptoms of it, because I think there's a lot of confusion out there on what it is. So we're talking about persistent, sad or anxious mood. So that could be irritability, restlessness, just overall not feeling pleasure, not having interest in things, maybe sleeplessness, reduced appetite and weight loss in some 
cases and increased appetite and weight gain in other cases. So difficulty concentrating, remembering things, making a decision, maybe persistent physical problems or things that don't respond to treatment. Like a lot of people have chronic pain that come in when they're depressed or they have digestive disorders, feelings of worthlessness, just hopelessness. Some people are feeling guilty. Some people actually have thoughts of suicide and death. You know, I I know a lot of women say, well, the only reason I don't kill myself is because of my children. Every single person listening right now knows someone or has had this experience herself with depression. Every single one of us knows somebody that has had depression. Now, Carla, what was your answer when you when you went through this four years of torment? How did you get free from that? Well, I, I spent seven months and a lot of money uh, in the psychiatrist's office, which um, he did help me with some things, but he didn't have the cure for depression. Um, after seven months, I was even in more despair because then I was really hopeless that there was no help for me. I didn't take the uh, medication because I had three babies. And I took one and slept for like a day and a half, and I knew I couldn't take those. But anyway, I had an encounter in crying out in desperation. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Um, And immediately through this encounter, I was healed and just filled with such a zeal and a life. I've not been the same person since. So it was a miraculous healing, um, which, which I know that God can do. But that was the way I was healed. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking about the woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of Jesus' garment. I mean, because in my mind, I think there's so many people that want to complicate this topic and say, well, this is a complicated issue and there's many layers to this. Well, she touched his garment and she was healed. I mean, so what we're talking about here today, folks, is the fact that people want to talk about, well, there's hormonal changes and there's people have substance abuse and they've damaged their brain and they have this chronic illness and it's deep rooted family issues and family dynamics. But here she touched his garment and the virtue left him. He said, who touched my garment? The virtue left. Your faith has made you, your faith has made you whole. So there is a correlation in this. People only make it complicated, don't they? Well, it is, um, you know, I have found myself right there with the woman with the issue of blood. I'd spent all that I had and grew only worse. And, you know, I have a desire. It, It would be wonderful if everybody could just have that encounter with Jesus and be made whole. But And and it can, you know, that's the first place I take people. I was instantly made whole. I don't know why it's so different for different people, but I believe that when you identify it and isolate it as an evil spirit, deal with the evil spirit, and like Natalie said, begin to give them some helpful tools to begin to change different things in their life that can make a change in the way they think. And of course, one of them, um, I just told the girl the other day, just start reading like a chapter a day, just a chapter, you know, don't try to read the whole New Testament or just a chapter a day and look for one thing in that chapter that will be uh, a positive influence on your life. And then think on that thing all day. Begin to retrain your mind. 
Well, you just said thinking on that thing. Now, one of the places I want to go in this interview, this this roundtable, and I think this is important because many people that I have talked to over the years. Now, remember, I was a counselor for 10 years, so I'm trained in psychology as a therapist. That's what my master's is in. So interesting. I did a lot of marriage counseling. And of course, you can only take people so far. And I think Natalie has really nailed that, too, because you can only take people so far in a practice. And at some point, there has to be that resurrection power that comes into it. So one of the things that's so interesting, and I dealt with a lot of people having spiritual roots of struggles, but the word curse is huge too, because a lot of people would say to me, well, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So right away, they label themselves. I mean, that, that is a word spoken curse, isn't it, Carla? It is. And, you know, I was, I deal with that right off the top, no matter what I pray for anybody for, I, the first thing I do is break the curse of death that came on every one of us through Adam and Eve. The word spoken curses, the generationally inherited curses, you know, to cover all those bases. But it is, it, um, and we curse ourselves, you know, and other people curse us. What do you say to people that say, you know what, no, we're under the blood. Other people can't curse us. We can't have curses. It's all under the blood. All those generational curses and all those curses were taken care of at the cross. What do you say to those people, Carla? Well, first of all, I usually answer by having them look at the um, Ten Commandments. It says in verse 5 that the iniquities of the fathers are visited upon the third, the children of the third and the fourth generation. That is the Word of God. Also, I asked God myself because I had this really nice Baptist deacon tell me one time that it was dealt with at the cross, the blood of Jesus has broken the curse off of all of us. And so I asked God, um, you know, theoretically that's true, but what do you say to somebody who doesn't believe that you can have a generational curse? And this was God's answer to me. He said, if there was no such thing as a generational curse, then there would be no need for any of you to be saved because the reason we need to be saved took place in the very first generation, and that was Adam and Eve. Jesus did. He became the curse, it said. He became the curse for us. So there is an appropriation that needs to take place. I compare it to a fire extinguisher. Just because you have a fire extinguisher in your house and a fire starts, just having the fire extinguisher does not put the fire out. You have to pick it up and appropriate it to the fire, which is the same way we have to do. We have to appropriate what Jesus Christ did for us to our own lives in order for that curse to be taken care of. Well, that's a really good analogy. Weigh in on that, Natalie. Well, we started talking about the bipolar and and, and people with bipolar and manic depressive. I'm talking about depression at another level. A lot of times people look at that and not even consider that it's a spiritual. It's like we shut off at a certain level. You know, I hear people say there's a thin line between spiritual and mental health as if there is actually a line. But how I really combat that? 
uh, uh, manic depressive and bipolars are what we call dis disorders. That means that your body is out of order. Scripture tells us that he came to, he, he gave us power to heal all diseases. Anything that's out of order causes us not to be easy. Think about that, disease, dis-ease. So when I look at that, that means that if I have, if I'm a manic depressive, if I'm a bipolar schizophrenic, it doesn't matter because God gave me and all of us the power to kill it. Mm -hmm. So when you take a psychological or clinical problem, turn it into a spiritual with God, it can be healed. If you can have it, God can heal it. And that's the deal. So again, when you realize who you are in Christ, the covenant that you have with him, it's that covenant that breaks the yoke off of any mental health. Mental health is not overpowerful than the blood of Jesus. It's not. And when mm -hmm. people, when you get the mindset of, wow, Jesus is even concerned about my emotions. He's emotional just like I was. He has anger issues. He, I mean, Jesus had anger. He got angry. Saul, a leader, had issues. I mean, all of them. When you can see that the same God that healed them then can do it now, it takes the focus off this being clinical. This is too hard. This is, you know, manic depressive. I'm, I'm, I'm bipolar. That's too big for God. I just have to take the medicine because that's just how it is. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The same disorder. God can put it in order. And that's how I take a look at things. Make it spiritual and take it to the one who can change it. Mm, that's very good, Natalie. And let's think about the root of all these labels, whether it's bipolar schizophrenic, manic depressive, the underlying root here is double mindedness. When you study that out, it means double mindedness. So what does the Bible say in James 1 8 there? It says he is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways, unstable. So you can see that instability and the deception piece that's in there. But let's look at what the Bible says about when it comes to mental illness, let's see what the scripture says. What does Second Timothy say? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Psalm 56.11, in God have I put my trust. I will not be dismayed what man can do unto me. 2 Corinthians 12.10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 1 Peter 5.7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When people's minds get fragmented, they really have to remember this. And speaking of fragmented, souls can get fragmented as well. People are really, I believe, Carla, afflicted by soul ties. And this can cause a lot of what we're talking about here, can't it? Yes. And we have so much of that these days because of the breakdown in the morals. People, you know, having sex with this person, that you know, a different person every night of the week if they want to. And so to the point that they're fragmented, their souls are fragmented, their mind is fragmented. And uh, that's definitely a spiritual thing. And so sometimes we're taking something that is caused spiritually and trying to put 
physical medicine on it, uh, mm-hmm. it won't work. It's like trying to yep. put Neosporin on a, a broken heart. You know, you can't <laughs> put Neosporin on a broken heart. But there is a connection there between the heart and the mind, isn't there, Natalie? It is. It is. Okay, let, let me see how to explain this. You hear something being said. Okay, you hear that Jesus Christ is Lord, he came to die for your sins. So it first comes in through the mind. Once it's in your mind, you think on it, you believe it, now it becomes in your heart. Meaning, I believe this, it's a part of me. Once it's in your heart, then your actions flow. So because my heart receives and believes Jesus Christ, then now I'm going to act like a believer. I'm going to act. Let's take that emotionally. The enemy brings in, oh, I'm depressed. It's in your mind. You meditate on that thought. It comes into the body through the heart. Now your body and actions are reacting based on that. So your heart and your mind come together in the soul. The soul is the will, mind, and emotions. Your will if the, if the enemy comes in with depression, your will is going to say, I give up. Your mind is going to say, yeah, we've given up. And your emotions is going to stay down. Do you see how all of that ties together? Right there. So it's all connected. Absolutely. Jump in there, Carla. Well, I was just thinking about the broken heart. You know, um, I, I would have to say that the root of, my, of the depression that I suffered was based on a broken heart and it, it was from broken dreams and expectations um, affected my heart and caused me to feel that life was hopeless because things were not you know happening as I expected them to happen and so a broken heart was very much a part of that and I think that's why you know I was instantly healed when Jesus when I had the encounter because he dealt with the issues of my heart, and then my mind was healed right along with it. And you know what? Even in the Bible, uh, sometimes the word heart, when you look that up in the Greek or the Hebrew, it is it's, it talks about where your uh, thought processes take place and things like that. So the heart and the mind sometimes are interchangeable even in the Scripture. Well, and you know, one of the mindsets that really boggles my mind, speaking of a show on the mind, is that people think that God is mad at them. And there's a really, there's a prevalent group of Christians that just feel like God is sitting up there with a baseball bat ready for them to just make one move out of line and look out. And it's a dangerous mindset that is straight out of the pit of hell, Natalie. Well, one of the, we talk about that, that, uh, psychological warfare, one of the greatest things that I see with anxiety and depression, one of the major roots is wrong thinking. When you see God as some mean old, you know, somebody that's going to whip you and send you to hell for every, you know, when you see him like that, how can you receive his love? How can you receive his healing? That's what a stronghold is, is the wrong thinking pattern. And that's what leads to depression right there. You know, so that's uh, one of the major weapons that the enemy is, again, taking us right back to the mind, how you think, how you perceive. So how can you 
uh, read a scripture and it says that, you know, the Lord came to heal the brokenhearted. If you see him as somebody who doesn't like you anymore, that he's turned his back towards you, and that's what the enemy says. The Lord isn't hearing your prayers. You're all alone. You know, you're going to go to hell. How can you receive healing unless inner healing of the mind, of the emotions, of the thought takes place? It has to. Yes, that's really good. Carla, your thoughts? In Romans chapter 2, it says, um, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest does the same things. But we are assured that the judgment of God is according to truth against them who commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and does the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That scripture right there um, dispute, is disputable whenever people say, oh, but, you know, God will let all these bad things happen to lead people to repent. No, it says right here that it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Amen. And you know what? One of the things that just boils my blood is when people say to me, well, Sheila, there's probably a reason that I'm paralyzed. I'm sure God just wants. No, God does not want anybody to be sick and afflicted. And guess what, folks? Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand, the leper. He said, well, I know you can heal me if you will. And what did he say? He said, I will be thou clean. It's not God's wish that anyone should perish. And certainly... God does not get his jollies off seeing people sick and suffering and in pain and torment and agony. Well, I'm sure God's just trying to show me something through this sickness. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And God is the same yesterday, today and forever. If it was his will then, it's his will today. I didn't get the memo that something changed here, ladies. Exactly. You know, here's the deal. Someone says, you know, God's trying to teach me something. No. Jesus Christ himself tells us the Holy Ghost is our teacher. Sickness is not our teacher. The Holy Ghost is our teacher. Amen. The Holy Ghost is our teacher. And that's really the good news here because God does want you set free. So if you're struggling with mental illness, depression, anxiety, fear, pick your issue here today. We're going to do some deliverance here. So Carla, why don't you start us off? Well, I want to pray a prayer of repentance first. If you've been listening and uh, you've been suffering from depression and suicidal thoughts, let's just pray a prayer of repentance first. You can just pray along with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would forgive me for not wanting to live, for wishing that I would die, for wishing I'd never been born, for wanting to kill myself. I realize now that those desires did not come from me, but from an evil spirit, from the enemy of my soul, from Satan, who has only one purpose, and that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I give myself anew to you today, Father. I want to live. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Ghost and fire. Breathe your breath into me today. I want the life that you want me to have. Fill me with your love. 
Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your life. I receive it by faith right now, and I thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you prayed that prayer of repentance right now in the name of Jesus, I bind and break the power of the generationally inherited curse of death that came on me through Adam and Eve. I call down fire right now from heaven to destroy the altar that Satan has erected for my life. I bind the spirit of death, the ruler spirit of all means of death, murder, suicide, and sicknesses that kill, and I break its power, and in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of death and all like spirits of death, murder, suicide to go. I give leave to the familiar spirits of death murder, and suicide that have followed me down my bloodline from my father and from my mother. I bind the spirit of murder and break its power. And in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of murder to go, get out in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind the spirit of suicide right now and break its power. And in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of suicide to go, get out in the name of Jesus. All spirits of self-hatred, I bind you and break your power and command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. All death wishes, you go in the name of Jesus Christ. Wishing you'd never been born, you go in the name of Jesus Christ. All spirits of self-murder, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. Generationally inherited spirits of death, shrouds of death, grave clothes, morbid spirits, spirits of darkness, fixations on death and dying, all zombie spirits, all vampire spirits, you go in the name of Jesus Christ. I break every oath, covenant, dedication, and any and all other pacts having to do with death, and I fall out of agreement with it right now in the name of Jesus. I bind and break any and all witchcraft curses of death, all voodoo, hoodoo, and all word-spoken curses being spoken against me, even self-inflicted word-spoken curses. I break them now. I cast them down, never seated, never coming to pass in the name of Jesus. Now I command every spirit of oppression, depression, heaviness, hopelessness, and despair, you go, get out in the name of Jesus. You leave their body in the name of Jesus. And Father, right now, I just loose upon the people life, love, hope, the Spirit of God, the Kingdom of God, vitality, joy. I speak resurrection life into every cell in your body. I speak a reversal of damage that has taken place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically in your body and in your life. And I declare that you will not die, but live to declare the works of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, Natalie, I'd like you to also lead the people into a prayer. All right. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we declare your word that says that by your stripes we are healed. And we cast out spirits of infirmities that would attack our bodies in the name of Jesus. We rebuke and cast out um, any spirits caused by diabetes, spirits that attack the bones, spirits that attack the mind, old mind-binding spirits. We loose ourselves from any cancers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we loose ourselves from mental illnesses, all illnesses, every spirit that came in through the spirit of infirmity, spirits of confusion in the life of your people. We bind it now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We command our flesh, our bodies to conform to the word of God that says that by his stripes, we're healed now. We command every organ in our body to function the way that God intended it, including our mind, including our thoughts. We put on the mind of God, the peace of God that surpasses our understanding. We take command over every thought now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we declare now that we are healed by the word of the Lord. We declare now that the yoke of the devil is destroyed because of the anointing. And we praise you now because it is so. The word cannot return back void. So even now, while you're doing it, we praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. We put on the spirit of praise and take off the garment of heaviness. We loose depression now as we praise you. We loose anxiety and put on peace because we're not afraid because we trust in you. God, I thank you that you're increasing our faith and trust in every person that's listening now. And we thank you for it and declare that it is so in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Right now, Heavenly Father, we ask you to send forth your mighty warring angels. Come now by the legions to attack and cast down and spear those demons now in the people that are listening. I bind spirits of witchcraft, hexes, vexes, curses, all curses that came down the family bloodline on both sides of the family. Spells, incantations, divination, sorcery, occultism, drugs, hypnotism, mind control, that mind-binding spirit, get out. In the name of Jesus Christ, fortune telling, tarot cards, astrology, horoscopes, new age, yoga, kundalini spirit, get out, reincarnation, astral projection, mind power, psychic power, soul power, worship of demons in all forms. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Magics, mediums, spiritualists, murder, abortion, human sacrifice, that spirit of death, that death curse, get out in the name of Jesus. A Ouija board spirit, spirits of witches, wizards, warlocks, go in the name of Jesus. Universal life energy spirits, Kabbalah, charmers, serpents, scorpions, spirits of Santeria, get out now in the name of Jesus. Reiki, go. The spirit of vanity, go. Pride, get out. Rebellion, you have to leave in the name of Jesus. Self-righteousness, self-exaltation, haughty, vain, hard-hearted, stubbornness, disobedience, go in Jesus' name. Spirit of divorce, man-hating spirits, marriage-breaking spirits, go now in Jesus' name. Hating spirits, depression, despair, discouragement, defeat, deception get out in jesus name i command you to leave i bind you and break your power right now in the name of jesus and command you to go frenzy manic mental illness self-pity shame guilt unbelief lying backbiting slander quarreling division discord jealousy arrogance spirit of offense go in the name of jesus come out now in the name of jesus christ rejection, betrayal, bitterness, resentment. We break your power. We command you to go. We give you leave right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Temper, rage, anger, go now in Jesus' name. All ungodly soul ties, get out now. Familiar spirits, inherited spirits, and accompanying spirits, we bind you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, and we bind those spirits off everyone listening's children right now. We command it to leave right now in the name of Jesus Christ tormenting spirits, seducing spirits, accusing spirits, critical spirits. Come on out in the name of Jesus. You have no legal right. Loose them now 
in the name of Jesus. All bondages, you have to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I loose now the spirit of restoration on what was lost. Loose truth, Father, righteousness, loose obedience. Loose now a clean heart and a right mind, the mind of Christ. Father, right now we just receive and appropriate this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Carla and Natalie, it was so good to have you on this roundtable today on mental illness and depression. Such a great talk. Natalie, please give out your information for the listeners. Phone number 864-810-1069. Also, uh, kingdomdeliveranceministries.com. It is a counseling ministry. If you call me and tell me, hey, I was listening into the show, I have free books to give you. And it's a book called Living the Exceeding Victorious Life. It's awesome. It talks about how to get those strongholds. Absolutely no charge. I'm giving it to you. Just give me a call. Tell me. I want that book. I want to sow a seed into you all's lives. So, again, website, kingdomdeliveranceministries.com, phone number 864-810-1069. Thank you so much, Sheila. And Carla, please, for the new listeners, give out your information. Uh, you can find my website at com, and my email address is carlabutod at gmail.com. And just so people know, that's butod, B-U-T-A-U-D. Do spell it right. Ladies, yes. thank you so much for coming on the program, and we definitely will have to have a part two of this. Thank you so much for coming on, Natalie and Carla, and do come back and see us soon. Thank you, Sheila. Man, thanks. Folks, that was Ms. Carla Butod, powerful deliverance minister from Texas, and another powerful deliverance minister as well, Natalie Olson. Do reach out to Natalie and get that free book. Wonderful information there. Please know that next Saturday night, I have Tom Horn that's Dr. Tom Horn in the program in a documentary that he's just put out, and he's worked six long years on Inhuman, the documentary, and I think Chris Putnam is coming on with him. It's going to be a fantastic show next Saturday. You'll want to stay tuned for that. I am looking for partners in this ministry on an ongoing basis to financially support this ministry, so I'm asking you to prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry on an ongoing basis. And I thank you for that in advance. And finally, a lot of new listeners have asked, how can I sign up to your podcast? Well, very easy. Go to weekendvigilante.com and click on that pink automatic button to the right. It'll take you there. Just sign up, follow me. So do that as well as add me on social media. All those social media buttons are at the top right side of the website. If you are listening on WINB, I need to hear from you. Otherwise, you can't complain if the program gets axed off WINB. I need to hear from the listeners from WINB because I need to consider if it's worthwhile airing on WINB. So I need to hear from you if you're listening. Otherwise, you cannot complain if that program gets cut. My contact information is there at weekendvigilante.com. Folks, thank you for tuning in all around the globe tonight. We'll see you next Saturday. Good night and God bless.